Hello, everybody. It's your host, Natalie, of The Traveling Light. And today I have Sophie, the codependent millennial, come on the podcast. That's her Instagram handle, by the way, guys. I'm not calling her. I'm not calling her the codependent millennial. That's just her Instagram name. And she is a codependent life coach. So she teaches people that are extremely fed up in their relationship patterns, their inner world, and um, basically like how codependency is playing out in their life. And a lot of these people don't know how to break the cycle. They don't know. They've kind of hit a wall with therapy. And Sophie educates them and teaches them how to undo all of those patterns and get to a place where they're operating from a place of self-worth and validating their own reality and not looking to external forces for happiness and peace and validation. So without further ado, let's get this podcast started. Yeah, so I'm a codependency coach for millennial women, Mm -hmm. and I do work with a couple of men currently, but my focus is all around women because codependency is, I mean, it feels like a disease. It's it's, um, an affliction that affects really affects women so deeply because of how we're socialized in, especially in the Western world, but worldwide. Um, this is definitely not something that is exclusively American. Um, codependency is rampant and affects every area of your life. And it affected every area of my life. And healing my codependency was really like the Oh, that was the transformation of a lifetime. So that's, that's what I help my clients do now. Wow. So do you feel like there's telltale signs you're codependent or do they? Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh honey. Yeah. So that's actually a really good question. Like, you know, you're codependent if you, you know, meet these criteria. Um, constant rumination around everyone else's thoughts about you, um, obsession with outside perspectives, obsession with outside validation, an, in, an inability to feel valid or confident without um, external like verbal validation or monetary compensation, you know, sort of this like disconnection from your own sense of self-worth. So it has to be anchored in something outside of yourself, which is inherently super dangerous because what happens when those things go away? Where will, where will your mental state be then? Um, occasional, I mean, addictions and eating disorders, um, which addictions um, in relation to codependency, I see it all the time um, when you're searching for something outside of yourself that is supposed to be a stand-in for something that you're sh- that you should be sourcing from within. You'll never be able to get enough of the external thing, be it sex, money, drugs, fame, like whatever, um, compliments. Like you'll have that addiction because the external is never going to be fulfilling. So you'll never feel like you can get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
I mean, I could go on and on and on, but there are just so many signs of codependency, like a deep, deep fear of being seen of any sort of vulnerability. Um, Like oftentimes us codependents, we have very ornate, well-crafted facades um, and we never really feel like anyone knows who we are. You're smiling. <laughs> it sounds like, like you know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just like, damn, I feel yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> so does, do, does codependency play itself out differently in men than it does women? Um, no, I mean, sometimes yes, but not really. I mean, codependency is the chronic neglect of the self in search of acceptance, approval, love, allowance, permission from other people. So um, the way this manifests for men can be quite often the same as it is for women in addiction, in eating disorders, in um, sort of just all these different ways of searching outside of yourself for these things that you're supposed to be getting from within. Um, a lot of times the struggle can be even more challenging in different ways for men because as women, we're socialized to seek that external validation and it's sort of acceptable for us to be in pursuit of it, if that makes sense. But for men, they're, they're not socialized in that way to seek that approval. So when they feel like they want it, they can even feel more shame around it because they're mm-hmm. like, well, I should just feel amazing by myself. I should feel incredible about myself and confident and like, but they don't. And so they feel shame. And so they don't talk about it. And so they just suffer in silence. Um, that's, that's welcome to codependency. Welcome wow. to suffering in silence. Wow. So I kind of, after hearing all this, I want to, normalize codependency because I feel like there's been this label around it that it's for the weak but it seems Mm. like after hearing you talk about it that so many people struggle with it that it's not just like you know yeah what you just said that just gave me chills that it's for the weak because as codependents we pride ourselves so much on our strength and our in or I don't know. How do I want to say this? We pride ourselves on our strength and the fact that we don't need others in order to be okay. We're like fiercely independent to a very toxic degree. And yeah. And um, so the perception of codependence as weak is so fascinating because codependency stems from you trying to grow up way too fast and parent your parents at a very young age and micromanage the world in order so that you can feel okay or safe or um, or adequate. Like really a sense of adequacy is <laughs> adequacy and self-worth is placed upon your ability to control the world around you, which of course is never possible. So you're sort of doomed in that sense to never feel good enough because you can't control the world, but that's what you place your worth on. It's like a catch 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, codependency is for the chronically overcompensating codependency is for those of us who, um, place all of our self-worth on how well we endure suffering. And it doesn't, you don't have to 
base your self-worth on that anymore. You don't have to make that be the measure of your quality as a person. Wow. So does all this, so is this learned from parenting or is it a coping mechanism or is it, what is it exactly? Yeah, it is definitely a coping mechanism. So we have all of these (laughs) maladaptive habits that we've really cultivated through childhood into adulthood. And as children, whether you were the child of an alcoholic or a drug addict or simply someone who was deeply dysfunctional, um, you know, they could be physically abusive, verbally, emotionally abusive, any of these things. Um, you develop habits as children in order to survive that kind of environment. And those habits really helped you survive and sort of make sense of the world and make sense of your pain as as children. But as you grow up, those same habits hold you back and really suppress your ability to be sovereign in your own life because they worked as children. They worked when we were children because they helped us um, really understand. I mean, they helped us like seek the approval that we were needing from those around us so that we could feel some sort of semblance of okay about ourselves. But now we're still basing that sense of self-worth and and permission and approval on people outside of us, but we don't have to anymore because we're adults. We don't need it. So now it's just keeping us stuck. Um, so I would say that, yes, it's definitely, definitely has to do with how you were parented, how you were raised and codependency did, does always stem from developing coping mechanisms as children and not, um, being aware of them to the point where you can like shed them as adults. Okay. So it sounds like what I'm hearing you say, um, I guess in, in my work's language <laughs> is it, it's like a inner child uh, acting itself out in the present. 110%. Okay. Yes. I do a ton of inner child work with my clients. Okay. Yeah. We do a lot of journaling. We do a lot of talking to the inner child, a lot of asking questions to the inner child because that child was ignored in childhood and we continue to ignore her now in the ways that we act out our pain instead of acknowledging it, feeling it, processing it. We don't have to run away anymore. We did when we were kids, for sure. We didn't have the capability. We didn't, you don't have the intellectual capacity and the mental and emotional capacity as a child to process the pain, but you do now. So refusing to do that now is harming you and harming your inner child further. Yeah. So like, what would be the beginning step to um, healing this aspect of yourself? Such a good question. I would say the very first step is to ask yourself what's wrong. Love is to really approach yourself as you would a six-year-old to really approach yourself as you would want to approach yourself as a little scared, sad four or Mm -hmm. five-year-old. You can really, really start to treat your scared self as your four-year-old self. And this is not a 
sort of separation of the self. This is you as an adult getting a deeper connection with your child self, which will forever be with you. Like it never grows up and walks away. It always is in existence. Like us at every age, we carry ourselves with us. Like we're little Russian dolls. Um, And so the first step, number one, just sit down. You don't even have to like use a journal, but I would always recommend that. But you just have to sit down and like, maybe just hold your own hand and say, Hey, what's wrong, love? Like what's going on? Talk to me. Um, and that can open up this dialogue that might never have existed within you before, but that desperately needs to, because if there is a lot of tension in your life, if there are a lot of patterns that are recurring over and over and over again that are causing a lot of pain for you there's something there that you need to look at Mm -hmm. and it's not like you have to go searching for someone to tell you the answer you really just have to learn how to listen for it inside yourself yeah I um I thought a lot of this was trauma-based but Mm -hmm. I didn't ever realize this was also being codependent yeah Well, codependency is a response to trauma. So I would consider any type of um, dysfunctional childhood environment as trauma. There are, of course, different types of trauma, different levels of trauma. But as a child, when you experience um, parenting that is invalidating and that is like rife with gaslighting and, and... sort of making the child responsible for the well-being of the parents, that is trauma. Yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. And another thing that has came to uh, come to me recently has been one which stuck out to me when you were talking is the like desire to not be seen whenever you're not pretty and perfect, like mm-hmm. emotionally. Yeah. And then also, um, which is being codependent and having trauma. And then um, like, like not reaching out to others and wanting them to come to you. Oh my God. That's like a vulnerability thing, right? Yes. That's such a good one. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's something you'll hear all the time. And I'll give you an example. Um, When people say, well, I don't want to have to communicate what I want from this person. I want them to just know. (laughs) Totally. I I mean, all the time. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, 17 times a day. And I still have that thought too, all the time. I'm not immune from this. Like my brain still does its shit. Um, But to know that in that instance, like when you want someone to come to you and you're refusing to like speak your own wants and needs in such a way that like makes you vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Number one, the things that you want other people to do in order to fulfill your wants and needs are things that you can and always must do for yourself. Mm. Um, You can't get anything from anyone else that you think will make you feel good that that you're not already giving to yourself. Like if they try and shine that onto you, if that isn't present within you already, number one, you won't receive it. You won't receive it gracefully. It won't feel good. You'll want more of it. It won't be good enough, blah, blah, blah. It'll cause more tension. Ugh, nightmare. Um, And number two, if, um, oh man, I have to remember. So funny. I go in these rants and then I forget what I was talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, having the vulnerability to say 
this is what I want right now. This is what I need. Like that alone is so terrifying because to, so I'll talk about childhood trauma as children growing up in dysfunctional households of any kind, it was really dangerous and painful and scary for us to have needs. And as children, we did have needs that we had to have met by our, the adult in the situation as adults. That's not true anymore but it still feels like it because we're in this state of emotional childhood. So we still feel like we have to be the ones to ask, but we don't want to because we're too afraid to appear weak or needy or causing tension or causing frustration because we have this belief that we caused that in childhood. So our greatest fear is like feeling now today, like we're causing that in someone that we're interacting with now. Um, But it's not true. It wasn't true back then. You didn't cause the frustration that you experienced um, from your parents or caretakers. And it's not true now that you cause frustration or um, anger in the people you interact with. You don't cause other people's emotions. (laughs) But, you know, the, the belief that we do is what really, really feels painful. Yes. And a lot of times, like, we have these imaginary scenarios in our head, like, like, and I, I, I'm able to catch myself now and be like, you're ridiculous. But early on in life, I would, if somebody didn't text me back, let's say for four hours, and I said something like, maybe not even a boundary, just like something like I'd rather eat Vietnamese food tonight. Mm, Yeah. In my head, I would be like, oh, they're probably thinking I'm so difficult and I'm selfish and I have to have it my way. And then I'm able to catch myself now and be like, oh, they're obviously working. Everything's fine. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because that is the kind of, um, personalization of everything around us so that that we did as children so naturally and it made perfect sense as as children but it doesn't make any sense now but we're still doing it because it's a pattern we've never looked at it we were never taught that there was any other way um as children there is really no separation of the self from the parental units in your life like you see yourselves as in unison as a unit. And so whenever your parents were angry or felt a negative emotion or even did negative things, did harmful things, you would find some way to um, correlate that with a behavior that you did. So you would blame yourself as a child. And that's just, that's what happens. Um, and so again, that is one of those maladaptive habits that continues on today in, in adulthood where you take, you have this lens that you see the world through and the lens says, everything is my fault. So you go out into the world, you interact with people who don't like Vietnamese food and, (laughs) and you, you know, say, I would like Vietnamese food. You don't get a text back for four hours. And that lens makes you think, makes you interpret that event, which is totally neutral and means nothing, um, makes you interpret that event to mean that you did something to cause that or to make it mean something negative about you. Um, And so again, something that I would suggest if anyone listening can relate to this is just to pause in that moment to understand that the thought you're having is an interpretation and is not ultimate truth. 
and to ask yourself what other thoughts might be available to you in that moment. And for you, it was, they're working. It's so simple. Yeah. You're not a terrible person. They don't (laughs) think you're a terrible person. And even if they did, who cares? They're welcome to. That's none of your business. Um, You always have different stories, different interpretations, different thoughts available to you if the ones you're currently thinking are causing you pain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's just like taking the, the focus off of yourself and realizing which is, which is really nice because you don't have to carry all that pressure around. But realizing a lot of times these, what people, how they respond has nothing to do with you. No, you know? nothing. It never did. Mm-mm. Not in childhood. Not even when you like took a whole carton of eggs and like threw it on the floor and then you got hit. Like even then, yeah. it wasn't about you. Like someone, someone hits a child And that's about them. That's not about the child. Mm -hmm. Someone drinks and says that it's the child's fault because the child is being too needy or frustrating or annoying or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's not about the child. It's about the person who's drinking. Like, and we didn't realize that as children, Mm -hmm. but we have to realize it now. And what do you think about like, like, not being able to validate your own reality. Is that a part? Oh of my God. That's fascinating. Tell me, ask that question in a different way and then, okay. and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. So I feel like something of my past, this is something I totally struggled with. And now I see it in my clients is that they carry around all these traumas and pains and stuff and they program their own minds to be like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Everything's fine. Like maybe, maybe I'm overreacting or, um, you know, they didn't mean it like that or they just, they gaslight themselves. But then what ends up happening is they, it's like an inability to validate their own reality, but then it kind of sneaks up in other ways. Like maybe they're, showing their body a lot or maybe they they get really emotional when they drink you know and then they lash out yeah 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 Yeah, absolutely um I'm so glad that you brought this up because you think about validation and it's so funny to me like not funny it's painful but it's funny because you have to laugh laughing is an essential part of healing at least in my experience but um you'll have these experiences that you want other people to validate for you. And in your head, you think that that will give you some sense of peace or recognition or something. And it doesn't, it never does like, but you're adamant. And then you get angry when the person doesn't, but validation is literally something that can only come from yourself to yourself. It's like, it's so mind blowing when you really let it sink in, but no one else can ever validate your experience ever. So ever you would, you would just have to validate yourself. Yes, literally, because that's what you're hoping will happen when the other person validates you. You want someone else to validate what you went through because you want to feel validated, but you can't feel validated when someone else 
says or does whatever, because if you don't already feel validated in yourself, if you haven't already validated yourself, that external word won't mean anything. It, like it's oil and water. It, it will have no effect or it will make you dig your heels in even further and feel less and less validated because you're like, well, their opinion doesn't really count or, well, they're not seeing it from this perspective. Yeah. Um, or you'll be like, well, they're only, they're only validating me now because I'm, I'm like asking them to. So yes. it doesn't really matter. Exactly. You'll always discount it. Yeah. Always. So like, you know, if you're at this point seeking external validation from someone, be it a therapist or a friend or a partner, I mean, I love looking for external validation from my partner. <laughs> That's like a hobby. <laughs> and it always feels like crap. And then I always have to go back inside and I'm like, damn it, this is inner work again. <laughs> but if you're like seeking that now, I would just like really recommend next time you notice this happening, just be like, ugh, how can I, how can I give this to myself? Like, what am I seeking from this person? What am I hoping to feel when they say a certain thing? And how can I just turn inwards? How can I turn inwards? Okay. And do that work inside instead. Okay. Like, this is the whole, this is all of it right here in this sentence. How can I stop making other people responsible for how I feel? Mm -hmm. Wow. So... I guess I'll just use my example because this is a common one. Yeah. Somebody, my brother and I have been having the same fight for like two years at least. And it happens probably once a year. And I want him to validate me and I want him to acknowledge how my experience could be painful. Mm -hmm. But he never has. Yeah. So with that, what I would need to do is when I catch myself going down that loop of like, he should, he should acknowledge my reality. I should just be like, no matter what, I need to make myself feel good about it. He's not responsible for it. Like, what would I do in that? Instance? Yeah. So if he acknowledges that your reality was or is painful, what would that, like, why do you want that to happen? Yeah, I guess you're right. Because I guess it would make me feel as if my pain is valid. Yeah. But your pain is valid whether or not your brother thinks it is. Yeah. Right? So that's where the the light bulb moment is right there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You're waiting for your brother to see your pain as valid in order for you to feel like your pain is valid. Right? So, yeah. So before that happens, I'm gaslighting myself, right? By, by um, this isn't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you're gaslighting yourself, but I think you're making your brother way more powerful in your emotional world than he is. Mm. Okay. Way more powerful. And we do that all the time, like 17 times a day, seriously. <laughs> Like we make everything outside of us responsible for our emotions. We make, we make our emotions handcuffed to so many things outside of ourselves. Our brother's opinion, our pants size, our bank account, the political situation. I mean, the weather, Yeah, what our mom said on the phone, so <laughs> many things. Oh my God. I'm only laughing because like, 
because it's hilarious. It is hilarious. <laughs> and ever since I um, stopped drinking, I've been I've been having to sit with this aspect of myself, oh, and yeah. it's re- it's just ridiculous. Like yeah. having to be. I don't know. I used to just drink when it would get painful, even if it of was like a few glasses of wine, um, which I would, I would make that sound cuter than it is and just be like, yeah. wine, you know, it's not, fancy. It's yeah. chic. Yeah. <laughs> Cute little glass. <laughs> um, but now that I'm not drinking, I'm like, wow, I have so much work to do. Oh. Who, who am I without numbing out? Yeah. I mean, like being sober is, um, pretty magical, but like getting there is horrific. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, Oh, I had this beautiful, pretty chic thing that came in a gorgeous bottle and made me feel fancy that took all my pain away. And now I don't, what the fuck? Yeah. And now I have to sit with like, Am I boring without alcohol? Just like all of the yes. thoughts around. But, oh my that. God, this is so amazing. Those thoughts existed with the drink in your hand. So now, it, yeah. Because you were drinking and you were still thinking, am I boring as fuck? Like, does anyone like me? Is, is my pain valid? All of it. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I would think those thoughts, but now I actually say them. I'm like, all these guys are ghosting me or showing no interest. I must be boring. And I catch myself yeah. saying that, which I guess is good because it's highlighting my, my internal world. But oh my God. Yes. I'm having to just go back to the root cause of all of this and really just sit with it and um, acknowledge that I've been drinking to numb out since I was about 14 or 15 and just I have so much work to do. Whereas yeah. before I stopped drinking, I was like, I'm good. Yeah. I had a tough few years and now I've mastered it. Just like super arrogant and thought I had it all together. And then taking that alcohol away, I'm like, wow. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. When you have this, like, I don't know, like bloody bandaid on your like open wound and the bloody bandaid is the wine and then you take the bandaid off. You're like, oh my God, there's a wound here. Yeah. I thought this bandaid was going to cut it, but I guess not. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because um, you can, you know, you can choose to examine the thoughts that are really painful and causing you a lot of pain or not. It's totally up to you. There's no morally right or wrong answer. But if you don't look at them, they're still going to run your life from the subconscious. But if you look at them, then you'll have a chance to actually be the driving force in your life instead of these subconscious painful thoughts. Mm-hmm. So like you get to choose. It's totally up to you. So with this type of work, do you rec- or do you see that awareness is the first step in all of Always. Them? Literally always. It doesn't even have to be willingness to be aware. It just has to be awareness. And like, you know what I'm talking about. Like you can be aware of something and really not want to be aware of it. Like when you're drinking and everyone else is having fun around you, well, maybe having fun, maybe they're also like painful inside like you were, but when you're drinking and like everyone's dancing and whatever, and you feel like crawling into a ball and dying, 
you're aware. You don't want to be aware. So that's why I think awareness is the most important part before even being willing to be aware. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. like that, that you're only going to be able to suffer through so many nights like that before you're like, this can't keep happening. So do you find like, so codependency is a coping mechanism and then in order to cope with codependency, either drinking or do you find like, like there's a numbing out in a lot of your clients? Always, always. And it takes many different forms. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people overwork, some people overexercise, some people have bulimia or anorexia or orthorexia, some people are addicted to trying to control other people. Some people snort Coke. It's like some people drink rosé. Some people spend $500 a day online shopping. Um, it, it, it takes so many forms. And this is why this can be so insidious because suffering looks different, but it can feel just as painful. Like someone in the suburbs drinking white wine and shopping online can be in such internal anguish, um, and be suicidal as someone who is like cutting or like doing drugs or like on fucking heroin. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yes, all of my clients are, you know, they come to me because their lives have to some degree become unmanageable and, um, they know it's time for a change. And unmanageable looks different for different people. It looked different for me than it did from my clients. But um, they're so brave because you, no one's like forcing you to look at these things. No one's forcing you to look at the, the pain in your life and, and the painful thoughts that you have. You could just go on living a you know, mediocre, slightly painful life that occasionally has you know, bumps in the road and you could just deal with those bumps or you could be like, okay, let's excavate and like, let's really look at the thoughts that are causing these unwanted repeating patterns in my life. Cause like, this is bullshit. Why is this the 17th time I'm being cheated on? Like something's happening here. You know what I mean? Ooh, let's pivot into that. How does that manifest itself or just even dating, uh, abusive guys? Like say the um, you're codependent and your pat your dating pattern is with with an alcoholic abusive mm-hmm. guy cheater all of it yeah <laughs> yeah, good, good yeah. Oh, fantastic men out there um, I you know I had to do a lot of healing around like my hatred of men. Um, my therapist was, well, not my therapist, my coach. She was like, you know, one day you're going to have to stop hating men. And I was like, Ugh, I know, <laughs> like, I don't want to yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm still there, but it's me. I'm the one with the problem, right? <laughs> it's always you. Like it's always us. Um, but it's also society. Like we have to, like, I'm still on that journey too. Like I have a male partner and I love him. Um, but I also still have a lot of problems with the patriarchy and with men in general and like with America. Um, so it's, it's this balance of like understanding that systematically men have been socialized to be shit bags, but also like really taking full responsibility for how I in the past allowed men to treat me poorly and like what, 
Cause like, if I'm feeling like I'm being taken advantage of, that doesn't happen without my consent. Like that doesn't happen without my energetic allowance of this person to treat me like this and still interact with them. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I see it. I mean, if you are experiencing repeating patterns in your, in your love life, in your dating life, I won't even say love life, but (laughs) in your dating life, um, if you're experiencing patterns there that are exhausting or infuriating or painful, how are you contributing to them? How are you like walking into them, willingly participating in them? And it's easy for me to sit here talking to you on Zoom about this when I'm not like enmeshed in a deeply abusive relationship, but like women always have the ability to make decisions that they're terrified of making. And sometimes that's leaving and sometimes that's staying and sometimes that's whatever. But um, yeah, codependency shows up so often when people are like thinking about leaving. They're like, do I deserve to want someone better? I don't think anyone will ever love me. I'll never find someone else. Um, I should just be grateful for what I have. I should say something is wrong with me that this is happening in this relationship. I should just like, what do I need to fix in myself in order to fix this in the relationship? It's like, no, honey, (laughs) sometimes it's not about you. Like it's not. Totally. And I feel like, um, you know, as you gain the awareness we were talking about earlier, you'll be able to spot these guys sooner and just like stop playing your part in it. Yeah. You know, just like the, I, there was this guy a few weeks ago, we started talking and he was like, Oh, I live in the Philippines, but I'm just here for quarantine. And I just started uh, rest. I just rescued this dog And then I go on his Instagram and he lives in Texas and um, he has a girlfriend (laughs) who's going to school out of state and the dog dog is theirs. Oh God. They went to the Philippines together. So, you know, part of the, what I've learned is you don't have to make this big statement to these guys. I just ended up being like, Hey, something feels off. Um, I hope you find what you're looking for by, you know, and just exiting the yeah. entire situation. Yeah. Yeah. There is this huge misconception that boundaries and protecting yourself has to look like this. Like I'm putting my foot down and I'm like banging on the table and like, you can't treat me this way. You can't do this. It's no, it doesn't have to be like that. And in fact, it's better if it's not like, that's just a no. That is just not a game you're willing to play. It's just a no. It's so simple. Um, It doesn't have to be confrontational. It doesn't have to involve any discussion. You don't have to get them to sign off on the fact that you're going to piece the fuck out. (laughs) It's just a no. Exactly. And I think, you know, when you are codependent, you you're you, there's like this search to gain your power back because you just realize you've been giving it away for so yeah. long so it's like you end up being louder or more like bold than you really need to be it, like yeah. that it can just be like a no and just leave yeah it. yes and that pendulum swing I think is a huge part of every codependence journey it definitely was for me because I went from silence 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 my purpose on earth is to make other people comfortable and happy to fuck you. 
<laughs> I'm going to fucking step on your neck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, I think that that's like, you have to have that. It's kind of like, you're like coming out journey. Um, but it's, it doesn't have to be like that. And in fact, it is so much more powerful when it's just an internal knowing of like, no. Yeah. Um, you don't have to, cause the, the sort of like outlash the lashing out that comes with that other pendulum swing of like, I'm going to burn the world down and whatever (laughs) that is also coming from such an insecure place and a place of really wanting permission and just not knowing how to get it from anywhere, including from inside yourself. So you're just like totally out of control. There's no, there's no strength there. There's no actual power there. You don't, you still don't feel like, you have agency over your own life. You're just like, you don't know how to utilize that yet. You're what you said about power is so beautiful. Like you can take it back at any time, even if you have been giving it away all the time and taking back your power doesn't look like pushing someone down and snatching it (laughs) because they're not holding it. They can't, it's ephemeral. It's, it's always within you. So it's just like, Oh, it's not yours anymore. Yeah. It's just an internal decision. Oh yeah. That, that brings me to another thing, which I, I feel like this is something a lot of women deal with is like, say you're really good friends with somebody and y'all have the same friend group. So it's like a group of you guys, you do everything together and say you're a really close friend and you kind of grow apart. Y'all don't have the same values, the same interests, whatever. And then she ends up lashing out on you about something really dumb. Um, And just being able to exit that friendship without having to state it, just like being able to back, back off gracefully and not make it a big thing. And I think that's something, you know, especially younger girls, really need to learn is that you don't have to make this bold statement. Like we're not friends anymore. Like who knows, maybe you will be in two years again. It's just like learning to be able to state your boundaries without having to make it a fight or make it, I don't know. Yeah. And really look at what's behind that declaration. Who are you saying that for Yeah, and why? Yeah, totally. It's, if you feel like you have to have this big, I guess declaration would be the best word for it. This big declaration around anything, but you know, breaking off a friendship could be one of those things. Are you trying to convince yourself of something that you don't super feel very secure in? Like, just look at that. Just be curious. And like, maybe the answer is no, but, but just invite some curiosity around that. Yeah. And I think that just goes back to, you gain that grace whenever you begin to validate your reality. Always, always. Because if you're doing that for yourself, there is no need for a discussion. Mm -hmm. There is no need for, you know, a, like a boardroom meeting with all the other people involved. You don't need other people's opinions. You don't need them to weigh in because you've done that for yourself and that's all you need. Mm -hmm. So how do you find, like, 
do the people that come to work with you, are they like fed up with therapy? Have they just kind of, they kind of hit (laughs) a wall with um, how much they can benefit from therapy and they're looking for somebody to kind of push them harder or yeah, it's, it's a difference. It's not so much pushing them harder. Although I do love to be kind of an asshole. Like <laughs> I definitely will be like, okay, I'm about to yell at you, <laughs> but it's like, it's not so much pushing them harder. It's just like getting deeper work done and, and kind of like getting more permanent work done. Like that was why I found my coach instead of staying with my therapist. Although I, I have loved every therapist I've ever seen. My therapists taught me about codependency and they taught me about breath work and they taught me about healthy relationships. And I, I love my therapists. Um, but, um, that was really who like helped totally save my life in college. Um, but I had to find my coach and, and I just kind of like found her very magically. It was like, it was a very weird, magical experience. And I was like, this is, she's it. Um, I've been working with her for five years. She's incredible. So um, my clients come to me when they are like, this cannot continue. This is like, I'm not willing to live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this is happening. Um, I would say, I don't know, 90 to hundred percent of my clients have had extensive experiences in therapy and they're just like, this is not shifting. What the hell is going on? And I'm like, let's do it. Like, let's, let's absolutely get some movement in your life. And I think part of that might come from like the fact that therapists are really focused on like helping you feel instead of necessarily like directing you or like helping you really, really build the, the tools in your emotional like repertoire to be able to build the life you want. Um, I don't know, but, but that's, that's my experience with the clients coming to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel that because I, with my clients too, they're not, it's really good for them to have a safe space to vent and have somebody reflect back their, what they're feeling and experiencing and like you said, give pointers and um, point out some things. But I almost feel like with coaching, it's it's a little bit of therapy mixed with being like a mirror for them. Oh, yeah. Like, no, I think that's a beautiful shadow, way of saying it. Shadow mirror. Yes. Okay. I'm so glad you even said the word shadow. Um, let's talk about that for a sec because this is everything. Um, how people can be so afraid of like shadow work. And I'm like, you guys, that's literally the gold mine. Like yeah. there's no, there's no growth without shadow work. There's no um, like ascension into the light of your life that you could have without descending into the depths of the shadow. There's, yeah. it can't like good fucking luck. That doesn't exist. Um yeah, I love the concept of the mirror. I mean, I don't, I don't give my clients advice. I, I would never give my clients advice, ever. I help my clients understand the thoughts they're thinking and understand the, the deeper like mental and emotional um, roots behind their cycles and their patterns um, that they're not happy with in their life. And 
I help them connect to the answers that are inside them. Like I do hold up that mirror. I do try and really augment their awareness of themselves because I don't know what's best for them. Like, and when, when we as coaches think that we do, we can do harm. I'm just here as a conduit for their own deepening relationship with themselves, because that is how you get this work done. That is how you then go out into the world, live your life as a sovereign, like strong, confident person. Um, You have to have that connection with yourself. You can't be relying on other people for answers. You can't be, if you're finding a coach because you want them to tell you how to live your life, no. You should find a coach who can help you understand yourself in a deeper way so that you can find those answers. Mm -hmm. So you kind of help them peel their own layers back. For sure. Yeah, that are blocking them. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Because, okay, let me tell you this. Um, what you just said was beautiful. I help them peel their own layers back so that they can see what is blocking them. It is, it always has to be something internal that's blocking you because then the solution lies within you. Mm-hmm. If you think, if I were to tell my clients, well, I won't say that, but if my clients think that the solution lies outside of them, they'll always be seeking outside of them and they'll miss the whole point. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll miss the work of going inside to find that solution. So if I can help them understand the problem that they're, that they're experiencing from the perspective that it must be something within them that is causing this like repeating pattern, then they'll start searching for the answer inside of them. And then they won't feel beholden to any like outside thing in order for them to be okay. Mm-hmm. It'll always be like, okay, how can I turn inward? Where is the solution inside of me? That's where all the power lies. Because if you think the solution's outside of you, you'll always feel out of control. You'll always feel disempowered. Mm. I love that because um, I'm, I'm like, I hired this team of people and they're very like masculine. They're all like gym bros. <laughs> and what the, <laughs> it's a nice balance to what I'm doing because it's nice to have their opinion um, when they're reading what I do. Mm-hmm. They're all fitness professionals and then they're reading about like Reiki and they're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but with, I love that because I read one of their posts. His name is Tanner and he's all about at the end of the day, it's just you. Mm-hmm. Everything's up to you. And, you know, and your success, and it really is, it sounds daunting to be like, oh, everything's up to me at the end of the day, but it is empowering too, to be like the, how I feel is up to me. You know, my internal world is up to me and, you know, I'm going to do my best. I can only do my best, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to place my power in outside resources or relationships or the job or the career yeah yeah and really just like we've and really just what just like returning to self like you're saying and like like building your life off of that and then the other things come 
Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we really have been just placing all of our power outside of ourselves for too damn long. Yeah. And you just reach the point where it's just, it's just a no, like no more. Yeah. I, I had to get to that place myself where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I cannot do it. Like, I want to know for you, like, what was the turning point for you where you were like, this is just not going to fly? <laughs> so I, I'm a little bit of a slow learner in some areas. Um, I like to try ideas on, test them out and, and really play with it. And then I'll, I'll adopt the, the, the mindset or whatever. So I'm probably the most annoying person to work <laughs> from your, from your person, from your career. Um, or the most exciting. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Hmm, I don't know if all this is true. I'm a challenger. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Back to you on this six months later. <laughs> I, I got out of this really pivotal relationship in 2018 and it was six years on, on and off. He was an alcoholic. Um, I don't like just labeling guys as this. And my best friend's a psychologist and his friend, too. And she agreed with me. He is a narcissist. Yeah. So fit perfectly with codependency. codependency yeah. So I began educating myself on codependency. And then I entered a relationship last year with 2.0, same kind of guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then I think November of 2019, I was just like, enough is enough. I'm so tired of placing my value and a guy playing small. It's so much easier to be like, I'm dumb so that you don't have to do the hard work or I'm, I'm traumatized and just like allowing yourself to have that label for yourself so that you don't have to show up and do the hard yeah. work. Yes. Um, so I just pushed myself. I ended up, oh, another dumb label. I was like, I'm terrible at school. So these were all just ways for me to not have to show up and try. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was taking the easy way out by like downplaying my, my greatness or whatever, my power. Yes. So I ended up signing up for college, um, you know, think, you know, just pushing myself. You stop drinking just doing all these things that were like the complete opposite of what I was doing before. I'm, yeah. I'm like quitting modeling because mm-hmm. that was another way for me to just be like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like I can't start my own business. Like mm. I'm not, I'm not good with people. Like just all this dumb ash wow. in my head Yeah, that, that none of it was true. I was mm-hmm. just play, playing myself. So I'm yeah. doing the complete opposite in every area of my life. <laughs> That's so much fun. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm sure it's terrifying. Yeah, it is. But <laughs> I mean, in, in some ways I'm like, this is exactly what I needed this entire time. You know, I just yeah. needed to push myself. Because if I would have been doing the same things I was doing last year... I would, I would be the same person dating the same kind of guy yeah. waiting on my agents to book me jobs, waiting to book a job so that I feel pretty or successful. Yes. And it's all, it's all bullshit. So yeah, 
the waiting. Oh my God. It's like, when will you be done waiting? When will you be done waiting for other people to say and do certain things in order for you to feel a certain way about yourself? When will you stop waiting for the, the outside world to look a certain way or, you know, in order for you to pursue whatever you want to pursue, like just, you're just done waiting. Yeah. I mean, enough is enough. And, you know, those things served me in that time. Maybe not that second relationship last year. I should have cut it off of the first one, but everything is, you know, eventually comes up to like your soul's evolution, but it's like, do you stay there? You stay like in that lower level of education or do you graduate? And yeah. just say like, this is, what am I doing? Enough is enough. Yeah. Exactly. Cause there will be new lessons here too. Like you never stop that process. Yeah. Just when, and that's what, just, just when you think you're, you've, uh, like I said, before I stopped drinking, I was like, I got it. I'm good. It's like, no lesson number two. Here we go. Yeah. I love that so much. It's so true. It's so true. And it's like unwrapping a present. It's like so exciting. (laughs) Because with each level, like with each new scary thing that you're willing to look at in yourself is another gift. Like the, the drinking and the staying in abusive relationships, those were covering up your gifts in like dirt. And when you were able to like dig through the dirt, you're able to like bring these gifts to light in ways that wasn't possible before. Yeah. And just you know, learning to second guess your thoughts, because I used to have this other thought that was like, you're not perfect enough to be a healer, or you're not, mm-hmm. you're not perfect enough to be putting out this work. You're a terrible speaker. That was another mm-hmm. one. Wow. So I started a podcast. Yes. Just like learning to second guess every stupid thought in your head. Yeah. 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 Never really just like swallowing your thoughts like pills. You just have to challenge everything. Totally. Yeah. Always. And that will always, always bring you growth because sometimes the thoughts you have that you challenge are thoughts that you want to keep. And some of them are garbage. Like I'm a terrible speaker. I'm not, I'm not perfect enough to be a healer, like garbage. Yeah. (laughs) You you will have days where you like mess up your schedule or whatever it is, but like the trade-off is staying where you're at or just creating like a huge, beautiful life for yourself and that you still do make mistakes that you, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe I stutter on my words or I forget words, but like the, uh, the alternative is me staying in my, my small, like sad, like life, you know, yeah. where I'm beating myself up and just staying super small. So, yeah. Yes. There's never, the point of all of this is not to get to a life in which you are perfect and you never struggle and you never feel pain. The point is yeah. to live your life fully knowing that you will feel pain and you will struggle and that it's so worth it because you're fully alive. Totally. So do you feel like having gained this awareness and applying your own strategies on yourself, you've been able to attract a guy that can treat you so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It is absolutely nuts to see how, when I was ready for it, I found a partner who 
challenged me to grow way, way past what I was comfortable growing. Like I, and I still find myself like sometimes, I don't know. I had a couple moments where I was like feeling so terrible about myself. And I was just like, I literally would like straight up ask him, like, can't you just tell me something nice about myself? Can't you just like, I need, I was like, one time I was like, please give me like five, just tell me five nice things about myself. Cause I hate myself so much right now. And he's like, he just hugged me and he was like, I love you. And he didn't give me five nice things about myself. He didn't tell me, you know, that I'm smart and pretty and kind. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you tell me you love me and you're not going to give me five compliments. It's like, you're an evil monster. What the <laughs> hell? But he just held me and he was like, I love you. And then the next morning I talked with a friend about it and she was like, that was the bravest thing he could have ever done. And he is a gift. And like, he, oh my God, just the way that I have been, you know, in that moment, I was trying to force him to like, I was trying to force him into my codependent pattern of making other people responsible for my feelings. And he doesn't play those fucking games. And I really wanted him to in that moment. And I'm so grateful that he didn't. I'm so grateful that he's not the kind of person who does that because then it forces me to continue my growth and to look at that. I mean, isn't that magical? Yeah. So incredible. Is he an earth sign? um, He is, what is he? He's a Pisces. Oh, wow. Which is hilarious because he's not a Pisces. Yeah. Like, (laughs) um, but yeah, I, I just, I, there have been so many moments when my brain is just like, break up with him, break up with him, break up with him. Like he's, because he, you know, won't compliment me when I tell him to, and he won't, you know, fit into this like codependent pattern that I have, but it's like, this is exactly what I needed. And I didn't know I needed. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he is, So like, I just, when I listen to you talk, I feel like he's like a rock or something. Like he's very like grounded and very like, just like solid, you know what I mean? And like, he, like you said, he's not going to play into those games. It's kind of like he, he loves you and that's enough. You know what I mean? He doesn't need to play into like that validating. (laughs) Does he he know about this work? That is exactly how I would describe him. He is a total rock. Um, He really is. Um, He doesn't really, he's so funny. Like I'll say, what? He's like a natural, like he doesn't, he's naturally already. He's very healthy. Yeah. Like, and I'm like always getting coaching and like just talking about my clients and he's like, what is even happening? Like, I don't understand any of this. And one time I was talking about, (laughs) I was talking about inner child work and he was like, he like laughed or something. And I was like, what? And he's like, you're joking. Right. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Oh, I thought that was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Like he truly is like not in this world at all. And that's, it's fine. It's like, it's wonderful. I actually didn't tell him that I was doing this work for like over a year. Oh, wow. I, I was too terrified. Um, I was too terrified to tell anyone that I was a coach. Um, especially because of all that I had gone through and like my own emotional journey. I was like, I can't tell anyone that I'm doing this. I feel that way. So funny. You know, like, 
just like I broadcast that, you know, I see dead people, (laughs) (laughs) all everything. I'm just like, well, you know, I might as well put it out there because. Because it's it's happening. Yeah. I mean, like I got, I got to promote my business. So yeah. And like you can, you could decide to hide. You totally could, but it's like, that's just not the decision you're making anymore. Totally. Just can't be. Yeah. Well, I want to give you a card reading if you're open to it. Oh my God. I would love that. Thank you. I just bought this deck and um, it's the star seed oracle. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Hey, what's your (sighs) sign? I'm an Aries. Oh, nice. What are you? I'm a Leo. Oh my God. I love Leos. It's so funny. I love Aries. (laughs) Oh, Aries and Pisces. Wow. Um, so what are you, what are your goals right now? Wow. That's a, that's an amazing question. Um, (laughs) the first thing that came to mind was to like, sort of get my apartment to where I want it. I, I just moved pretty recently and I'm like, thinking about like, what couch do I want? I have my little bookshelf. I'm like, it's still very new. Like I still have things in boxes. Um, but my goals right now are really to just absolutely over deliver for my clients. Like all of my focus right now is on them. Um, I love, love to like cook meals and go on walks, but like all of my energy is going into my clients. Um, I'm doing a ton of writing. Like I said, I was writing all morning, Mm -hmm. um, working on new materials for them, which I'm so excited about because I, I spent so long, like being afraid of stepping into this space and like speaking out about codependency because I didn't think that I had anything else to contribute to the space, but I'm learning more and more how false that is. That's, you know, one of those awful thoughts, like you don't have anything to contribute that, you know, or nobody will think it's cool or like nobody will want to sign or whatever. Yeah. Just like no one will really find value in the things that you're sharing. And the more I share, the more I find that that's such a lie. Um, yeah. That. Okay. So my goal, my goal really is to continue to strengthen my own voice in the realm of codependency healing and really like get very clear on exactly what it is that I'm contributing to that space. Wow. Okay. I love that. Okay. So I, I try to just always like say this little opening prayer. Um, so just take some deep breaths and close your eyes. And I just want to call on Sophie's guides to give me an accurate or give her an accurate reading and set my ego to the side. And I call on my guides to assist me. And let's do it. These cards are so beautiful and soft. Like they just feel really nice. Some cards are like stiff and hard. So you said that you do Reiki? Yes. I just felt some energy when you were saying that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I was feeling it in my heart space. Yeah. That's incredible. I love when that happens because you really can feel like distance healing Mm -hmm. through the phone, through Zoom. That Yeah. That was cool. I was not (laughs) expecting that. Cool. 
Okay. Um, so the first card is um, you're not alone. So I don't know if you've been feeling like, well, obviously with quarantine, just like a little isolated. Um, and it's just a reminder that just to learn to like reach out to your friends and your community a little bit better right now, if you've Mm -hmm. been feeling just like a little out of touch Mm -hmm. and just, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, like your friends can't really read your mind. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. So make it, maybe make an effort like once or twice a week to just, you know, reach out. Does that resonate with you? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this next card is new earth. And I feel like part of your mission is to your create your, you're a part of creating this new world, this new paradigm, this new way of thinking and to keep pushing forward, like full force, do not hold back because you are, you are creating a new world for so many people. And then that shoots out into the collective So don't underestimate yourself. It says it's happening and keep holding the vision. I just got the chills. That's powerful. Yeah. Don't like those thoughts we were just talking about, like they're not real. Yeah. Um, You have to hold the vision. Oh my God. This next card is hilarious. It says inner child, tenderness, innocence. You have rare gifts. What? Oh my God. I think Amazing. it ties back to your work of healing. Yeah. The child. yeah. I, yep. I have chills all over. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And to really, I really feel like don't hold back mm-hmm. at all. And you're on the right track for sure. Um, the last card is um, things are be- being woven. So mm-hmm. I, it's like a girl standing on top of a galaxy so I feel like ooh, yeah like oh I love that wow these are beautiful cards yeah and um I almost feel like you're creating a lot of content or whatever like um like you said you've been writing a lot right now that all of this, it's like planting seeds and it's going to like blossom into like a beautiful forest, not even like a little garden. Mm. So keep doing what you're doing and like things are being woven and will eventually like blossom for you and wow. your and your clients. Yeah. I love that reading. That was super powerful. Thank you. Welcome. Such an unexpected gift. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I, I really feel like more and more people are waking up to like the inner child dialogue and like the, like healing the subconscious. And this is all becoming a little bit more mainstream nowadays. So Mm -hmm. just realizing like you are, your work is having like a ripple effects. Like, mm-hmm. Don't ever underestimate that. Like you don't know who who's in your client's life. And like when you set boundaries, it, it, or when your clients set boundaries, it has a ripple effect, you know? Yeah. I mean? Yeah. I think we do a huge disservice to the people that we profess to want to help when we discount our own gifts. Yes. 
Like our own insecurities can get so in the way of the people that we're here to, to help. And it's just, we, we have to put our foot down, like no more. Absolutely. And like a silly example is like, I I have acne and sometimes I won't make videos because of my skin, Mm -hmm. but I've been trying to push past that. And when I do, people will be like, whatever video helped me so much. Thank you. Yes. Like here I am worried about my stupid skin. Natalie, that's why that's like how I found you was, um, I mean, I found you through Jen Navarro Mm -hmm. and then I was like scrolling through your feed and there was like a photo of you in a bikini. Like, of course it was a bikini photo that drew me to you, but like I, I read the caption and I was like, this is, you are the account I was looking for because I have had to like purge my Instagram of like all the like Instagram accounts where it's like all these women are 90 pounds and like, you know, bleach blonde and have like tiny Anglo faces. And, um, I found your account and I was like, this is the example I've been looking for to be this like body positive, self-love filled light being. I was like, she's it. Like that was the, I've, I've with a couple of clients specifically working on eating disorders, I'm having them really clean up their Instagrams Mm -hmm. so that they're seeing examples of women with different body sizes who are just glowing from the inside out. And your account, when I found it, I was like, Oh, this is it done. So much. It's definitely been a long time coming or like a long journey because that, that whole thing about being perfect. It's like, you want to hide when you're not your version of perfect. And it's like, no, it's not like you said, not serving the world at all. No, no. (laughs) I'm so glad you're not hiding. Thank you. Jeez. (laughs) What a conversation. I know. Like my head is spinning actually. Oh, wow. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should like close out the reading part. (laughs) Are you, do you feel lightheaded? No, I feel amazing. Oh, okay. I'm I'm just like, maybe we should have 17,000 more of these conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On Instagram live, that would be really powerful. Yes. Or on your podcast, whichever. Yeah. Both. (laughs) Definitely both. (laughs) So glad we did this. Um, So. Thank you so much, Sophie, for coming on. Um, where can I, can, can everybody find, find you and follow you? Thank you, Natalie. This was such a pleasure talking to you. I feel so connected to you. Um, you. My Instagram is at codependent millennial, and that's where I share the bulk of my work. Um, you can also visit my website. It's just codependentmillennial.com. And if you want to email me, if you have any questions about anything we talked about today, um, my email is sophie, S-O-P-H-I-E at codependentmillennial.com.
Yay. Well, thank, thank you so much. much.